This episode may contain themes that are unsettling for some listeners and includes dialogue that is inappropriate for children under 14. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey, juicers, I'm Brooke. And I'm Alyssa. And this is... For God's sake. Don't drink the Jones juice. Welcome back to episode 25. Whoop, whoop. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're not going to talk about it because Scotty embarrassed us. (laughs) Uh Can you believe we're at episode 25? Already? Like... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, he's a nut job. Anyways, um... I don't really feel like we have too much business to talk about except for ads. And I guess Brooke is kind of going to give you a rundown about that. Yes, um, we have listed this on our Instagram and Facebook page, but we do still have some availability for 2021 ads. Um, If you want an ad in our episode, here is the pricing. If you would like a beginning or end of episode ad, one ad is $25. Three ads, $60. Five ads, $100. (laughs) If you would like a middle of episode ad, one ad is going to cost you $35. Three ads for $90. Five ads for $150. And as most podcast listeners know, a middle of episode ad is going to get more listens than a beginning or end. It is more favorable. Because we all know you start hearing an ad going and you start skipping because we all do it. (laughs) So that's why they're a little more pricey than the beginning or end of episode. But even still, beginning or end, I mean, hopefully we can still get you some business. If an ad catches someone's ear, like during the beginning of it, then they're more inclined to listen to it. So it's still a good place to be in the beginning. For sure. So. That's pretty much all we've got for you. We have nothing really exciting this week, so. Literally, I can't even remember this week. Dude, my week has just been super, super, super long and, like, exhausting. It's just, I've been so busy at work, which I'm thankful for, but I'm just so tired. Yeah. Are you still doing things by appointment only? Yes. And I guess this is exciting, not that you guys care, but my husband and I got a gym membership and we've been working out every day. And that's fun. So that is exciting. And yeah, I'm excited for results because I'm tired of looking like this. If I give you my body, will you work it out? <laughs> yeah. And give it back well, when it's toned and good. And <laughs> so yeah, that's what's been going on in my life working out and work, fun. Two very stressful things. <laughs> I don't understand people who are like, Working out's a stress relief because I just feel so much tension in my body afterwards. You know what? I have always said I hate working out. That has, like, been my, like, quote. But now that I'm doing it, like, I don't hate it. Yeah. Like I told you, like, Aaron and I got up at 3.30 this morning and went to the gym. Like, who does that? Freaks. I know. I was like, <laughs> we're, like, going on a meth run right now. <laughs> like, what are we doing? You are coming to And so. he said, uh... Yeah, it's like, you know, we've been up all night just waiting for that fix. And then, like, our dealer finally hit us back. So we're going down the road. And I was like, he's like, yeah, we're, uh, um, you know, spending the grocery money on our meth. And I was like, yeah, babe. I was like, it'll be okay, though, because, you know, probably by Wednesday I can sell my body a couple of times and we can, you know, eat. So. Right. (laughs) That's how it goes. We're stupid. (laughs) No. But. uh, I did. 
absolutely nothing this week. Titus has been extremely difficult. It's oh. been a rough week for me. Uh, you know, I have a job interview today mm-hmm. that I'm excited slash nervous about. I'm super stoked for you. I'm scared to work a real job again. Because, um, oh, bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, <God>. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this is how Brooke sneezes every time oh, she my sneezes. God. That was only six. <laughs> Usually it's more than that. It's like 30. My bad. <laughs> But anyways, um, some of you guys might know this, but, like, I really haven't worked a job where I'm working with other people in, like, five years. Y'all just listen to Alyssa, because I'm going to go blow my nose. Okay. Um, now I'm nervous. <laughs> Talk to the people. <laughs> anyways, I have just kind of, like, I was self-employed, so I just kind of did my own thing. But now I have a job interview, and I'm just nervous to be in like a work environment again and like to have an actual boss that I have to report to and blah 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 so um yeah if you live in Covington it's city pharmacy so if I get the job hi Mm -hmm. don't come see me don't come see me because I'll be scared (laughs) (sighs) Brooke is back with a fresh clean nose yes (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, I can't believe like out of 25 episodes, that's the first time I've ever sneezed in an episode. I've I, sneezed in an episode. I feel like I'm like the most nasally sin- sinusy person ever. She does. She she do be sneezing all the time. I do. I it's do insane. be. And like just before we started, she was like putting eye drops in her eyes because <laughs> she's allergic to cats, even though she has a cat. So And the that's cat awful. stays up here in our podcast room. <laughs> so oh God. she just took it over. Yeah, all of the black furniture has hair on it. Mm-hmm. So, all right, are we ready to get into this? I am super ready because I have no idea what's about to happen. Yeah, okay, I did these notes late last night. Mm-hmm. And um, this, to me, this story sounded a lot more exciting than it actually, like, became. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's still, like, a very heinous and horrible, I mean, this is, like... She is theorized as one of the most prolific serial killers of all time. Holy cow. But, like, there's not many details about her murders because they only know of three of them. So. Okay. Well, I mean, really, like, six. But they we're only talking about three because that's all we know about, really. So, I am doing, I'm covering Amelia Dyer, the baby farmer. I've never heard of this. I had no idea what a baby farmer was. I thought literally you like buried babies <laughs> and like used it for nutrients for your soil. <laughs> I don't know, but it is not that at all. And I will kind of explain it more <laughs> later on in the baby story. <laughs> so Amelia Dyer was born to Sarah Hobley and Master Shoemaker named samuel hobley she was the youngest of five children she had three brothers named thomas james and william which is so funny because my brother's name is james thomas and she had one sister named anne they lived in a small village of pile marsh this takes place in like like the you know the uk 
Okay. <laughs> whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> whatever that place Pyle is. Pile Marsh? Yeah, like P-Y-L-E Marsh. Hmm. Okay, so unfortunately, her childhood was not the greatest because her mother had a lot of, like, mental issues going on. And it's uh, theorized that these mental issues were brought on by her having typhus. And do you know what that is? Like typhus? Uh, one of those old timey. Yeah. Like fever. they're very rare to get now. But um, so I kind of just did a, a Google search because I wasn't really sure. And according to the CDC, um, typhus fever is a group of diseases um, caused by bacteria that are spread to humans by fleas, ticks, and chickers. The most common symptoms are fever, headaches, and sometimes a rash. And then I guess they can, like, make you kind of, like... Fluey. Yeah, but, like, they, it can affect your mental... Okay. Like, well, yeah, state. anytime you have, like, a severe fever, it can cause, like, brain damage and stuff. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay, well... Yeah, so she was just kind of not herself after having typhus Makes sense. so her mother had bouts of violent fits and amelia basically was like the caregiver for her mother until she died in 1848 mm. and so after her mother died amelia went to live with her aunt in bristol where she eventually served as an apprentice corset maker mm. yeah <laughs> Um, her father died in 1859, and her eldest brother, Thomas, inherited their family shoe business. In 1861, when Amelia was 24 years old, she became estranged from her brother, James. Don't know why. Nope. And it said, um, like, she became estranged from James, but she could have also be become estranged from all of them. But they just know for a fact it was with James. Right. So we don't really know why interesting <clears throat> so she ended up moving to trinity street bristol where she met and married a man named george thomas <laughs> uh, i feel like everybody's name was like thomas george george thomas like back then my brother's name is james thomas george <laughs> and so, so already we have a person named thomas a person named james and then a person named george <laughs> thomas yeah like, it's so weird when you like like if I like go back in my ancestry, like the eighteen hundreds, mm -hmm. that was like all their names. You know Thomas, what I mean? James, everybody's George, name was yeah. Tom. Yeah, literally, like er, like my my dad is named James Tracy, and then my papa's James Albert, mm -hmm. and then his dad was James something, and then my mom's dad is James, and then I'm pretty sure his dad is named like all of them are just James. Well, you know, my mom's dad's name is James. Yeah, and then and your cousin Jake, uh -huh. his name is James. Which I did not know his name was actually James. I thought it was actually Jake. Yeah. Why does he go by Jake? Jake and James are not the same. <laughs> it's a nickname. That's just what crazy is yeah. it? Um, J is J. James. Jay is James. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think my, my step-grandfather is also a James. Wow. James Clifford. James. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, where was I? I actually uh, scrolled up. Okay, so George Thomas was 59 years old, mm -hmm. and Amelia was 24. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and they got married. Anna Nicole. So, huh? I said Anna Nicole. I'm confused. You don't know who Anna Nicole is? No. Never mind. No, explain. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, we'll talk about it later. You don't know who Anna Nicole Smith is? It sounds familiar. 
We'll talk about it later. Why can't you just say It's that? just a young woman. She's dead now, but she married an old man. Okay. And she's just like one of those, like, I guess, uh, what do you call them? Money. Um, gold digger. Go- gold digger. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Uh, when you said the ages, I just thought of Anna Nicole. Okay. Well, she was, was a like Playboy a f- bunny. Just. Oh, okay. Do you know who I'm talking about? Blonde. Big titty. Big titty. Big titty. <laughs> no. I don't, don't know. know. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it later. Oh, she is. Yeah, she is very beautiful. She is beautiful. I listened to a podcast today about a Playboy bunny that got murdered. Anyways, uh, so on their marriage certificate, they lied about their age because it was such a huge gap. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he was 48 and she said she was 30. So Ooh. that's still a pretty big difference. It's like 18 years, but <laughs> much better than what it was. So after their marriage, Amelia trained as a nurse, but eventually had to give it up due to the birth of her daughter, Ellen Thomas. Mm-hmm. Then sadly, her husband, George Thomas, died in 1869 of course he did because he was old as fuck <laughs> and this like was the 1800s the <laughs> <laughs> like why else would you marry somebody 40 years older than you well she wasn't left with anything so oh. she may have really did marry him for for love or whatever hmm. uh she met a, a midwife named l dane who taught her an easy way to make money by using her own home to provide lodging for young women who had conceived illegitimately and then farming off the babies for adoption. Farming. Yeah. So, um, in Victorian Britain, this is where this is taking place, mm-hmm. unmarried mothers struggled to make a living since the 1834 Poor Law Amendment Act, which removed any financial obligation from the fathers who also helped in the creation of this you know mm-hmm. illegitimate child mm-hmm. um and then there's you know like a huge um stigmatization about you know children born out of wedlock so uh because of this amendment act and you know the stigmatization in society you know these women were struggling to provide for themselves much less you know like for them sure. and a baby yeah so Basically, this led to the practice of baby farming, which is where people would act like adoption or fostering agents mm-hmm. in return for regular payments or a single upfront fee from the baby's mothers. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much what they did. And I'm sure it was like anonymous. Like No. No? Okay. No. Um, like, so, well, you'll see later on how it kind of worked, but... Oftentimes, though, and this is very unfortunate and very sad, baby farmers would starve the children in order to save money. Uh, Noisy or demanding children would be sedated with alcohol and or opiates. I was going to say, maybe a lot of times they would uh, kill them to collect benefits. Yeah. So sometimes mothers would go to check on their baby, but like their baby's not there. Or, like, they'll be presenting them a baby that is not their baby. But the mothers would be too scared to go to the police about it. Because you're really not supposed to baby farm? I I think you're... (laughs) Yeah, I don't think... I feel like no. I don't know. That can't be, like, a legal way of... I mean, this was the 1800s, so... I don't know, but they were just... I don't... It really didn't explain why they were scared to go to the police, but... I got all my information off Wikipedia, by the way. Mm But yeah, they were scared. And so, 
L. Dane, the midwife that taught Amelia about baby forming, she was forced to move to the U.S. to avoid attention from the authorities because this is what she was doing to these children. Mm -hmm. She was letting them starve. Mm -hmm. She was basically killing them off Mm -hmm. and just collecting the money. Right. Which is so fucked up. Right. Like, you were killing, like, a living, breathing baby, like, somebody else's baby who... Like they, a lot of times the mothers wanted their children, but they couldn't afford them. So it's like they were, they were paying somebody to raise their child until they could, you know, it get a better grasp cheaper on for life. them to pay somebody else to right. care for them than it was to spend the everyday necessary money to raise a child. Right. Plus it's like, you know, they would need a babysitter mm-hmm. and they, you know, cause they'd have to work and well, it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so Amelia took in expecting women and made ads about adopting babies in return for a substantial one-off payment and clothing for the babies. She assured these mothers that she was married and she would take great care of their children. Remember, her husband is dead. Yes. So she's just painting a picture of herself to to lure in women, you yeah. know. Um, also, <clears throat> so sometimes... Um, like wealthy people would want to farm their babies because they kind of wanted to keep the baby a secret for a while for whatever fucking reason. Mm. And so the the baby farmers would upcharge them like substantially. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then like the, you know, the poor mothers would, um, you know, be charged <clears throat> less. Yeah. And their babies were probably treated lesser than also i don't think that they gave a shit about that i think they just wanted them it was just the money yeah that's all it was um in 1872 amelia remarried to a man named william dyer who was a brewer's laborer from bristol they ended up having two children together a daughter named mary ann that went by polly so they called her polly Mm -hmm. and a son named william samuel but Amelia eventually left William Dyer. So, hmm. yeah, I didn't, which I didn't even know you could do back then. Right. <laughs> I didn't even know you could remarry. Like, I thought, like, once your husband died, you were just screwed. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. At some point into her career in baby farming, Amelia decided that instead of her usual practice of starving the children to death, she would just kill them herself in order to pocket most of the money she mm-hmm. was getting from these mothers. So. yeah Um, sorry Amelia was able to do this for a good while without causing any suspicion from the police that is until a doctor became suspicious about the number of child deaths that were coming from her care like he would have to go you know check on these dead children or take these dead children and it was just an alarming number it's probably the coroner, maybe. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. Um. So she was sentenced to six months of hard labor for neglect. Oh. Yeah. She got off way easy. <laughs> and apparently, those six months just destroyed her mental stability. Oh, killing the kids didn't destroy her mental stability. Right. Just the six months of hard labor. Mm-hmm. So after her six months of hard labor she attempted to go back into nursing she was admitted to numerous mental hospitals due to her you know mental instability from those six months of hard labor Mm -hmm. 
and her suicidal tendencies. Coincidental... That's a hard word. I have never in my life struggled to say more words until you started a book. I'm telling you. Well, honestly, like, let's think about it. How many times in normal conversation, like, you and I are just talking and we're like, well, coincidentally, I mean, that's not really a word we say on an everyday basis. But I say coincidence a lot. Right. So coincidentally. Cool. Cool. I hate myself. Okay. So coincidentally, (laughs) these like um, her being admitted to these, you know, mental hospitals always occurred when it was most convenient for her to disappear from like the police. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And as a former asylum nurse, she knew how to act to get, you know, better treatment while she was there and to get out like when she needed to get out. So, yeah. She that to me just screams like manipulative and just like a mastermind, you know what I mean? Like yeah. intelligent. Yeah. Amelia had begun abusing alcohol and opium based products early on in her baby farming career. It's theorized that this had contributed to her mental instability. So, I mean, I'm sure she probably was a little fucked up in the head. Mm-hmm. In 1890, Amelia took in an illegitimate baby of a governess. When the governess returned to visit with the child, she grew suspicious that it wasn't her baby. So, she stripped the baby naked to look at the the uh, birthmark on her hip. Oh. And it wasn't there. Right. So, literally, Amelia had killed off that baby and then gave her a Somebody new baby. Yeah. Mm. So that mixed with the suspicion of the police, again, mm-hmm. Amelia decided to try and take her own life by drinking two bottles of, I meant to look up how to pronounce this. It's like laudanum, laudanum, L-A-U-D-A-N-U-M. Never heard of it. It's basically like, um, it's basically like 10% powdered opium. Ooh. Um, but considering she had been abusing opium, like she had such a high tolerance that it didn't kill her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, to avoid being captured by the police, Amelia started disposing of the bodies herself instead of, you know, reporting the infant death and having a, a death certificate issued. I wrote birth cer- certificate, <laughs> but uh, death certificate. Her and her family frequently moved towns in order to escape mothers looking for their babies that were supposed to be in her care and also just to kind of evade the suspicion. Yeah, and like, you know, she had a long growing list of aliases by the end of this because they would just move towns and, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody knew who she was and so they trusted her and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So, uh... January of 1896, a popular 25-year-old barmaid named Evelina, which I think is a beautiful name. That is pretty. Evelina Marmon gave birth to an illegitimate child named Doris. 
She quickly put an ad for adoption of the baby in the Bristol Times and Mirror newspaper, which read, wanted respectable woman to take a young child. She intended to go back and forth visiting her child until like she could eventually reclaim her. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so right next to her ad in the paper was another ad that read, married couple with the no family but adopt a healthy child nice country home term 10 pounds evelina responded to this ad and eventually got a reply from amelia under an alias as mrs harding Hmm. evelina met up with amelia to amelia to deliver her daughter a box of clothes and the payment that was necessary Amelia was very affectionate towards Doris, which, you know, kind of put Evelina at ease because she, again, didn't want to give up her child. She just had no other option. Yeah. She also couldn't really afford to pay her the 10 pounds, but, you know, she she got to live. She got to work. Yeah. So she did it. Um, and then she went with um, um, Amelia and Doris to, like, I guess... It said, like, the the Cheltenham station, so I don't know if that's, like, a train station or mm-hmm. what, mm-hmm. but she went there, and then she returned to her home a broken woman, because she didn't want to give up her baby, yeah. and it made her sad. A few days later, she received a letter from Amelia saying, all was well, and then Evelina wrote back, but got no reply. Mm-hmm. So... She was kind of under the impression that her daughter would be staying with Amelia in Reading. Instead, to avoid Evelina ever coming for her baby, she lied and went to her daughter's house in Williston, London. So, like, she wasn't even where... Mm. Her baby wasn't even where she she thought it was going to be, which is just so fucked up. Once arriving... To her daughter's house. Amelia grabbed some white edging tape used in dressmaking and wound it around Doris's neck <gasps> and tied a knot. Oh my god. The baby would not have died fast. Like that would have been a slow death. Mm-hmm. And Amelia later said, I used to like to watch them with the tape around their neck, <gasps> but it was soon all <clears throat> over with them. Oh my god, what an evil person. Very evil. So, allegedly, both Amelia and Polly wrapped the baby in a cloth. They kept some of the clothes Evelina had packed for Doris, and then they sold the rest to a pawnbroker. Amelia paid the rent to the landlady and also gave her a pair of child boots as a present for her daughter. Where do you think those child's boots came from? Mm. A dead baby. Mm Mm-hmm. Just the very next day on Wednesday, April 1st, 1896, another child was brought to the house to be under Amelia's care. His name was Harry Simmons. Or Simons. I think it's Simmons. There was no spare white edging tape to strangle the new baby with, so literally Amelia unwrapped the tape from Doris's neck. Oh my god. And wrapped it around Harry's. This is and so killed him. sick. Yeah. He was legit only 13 months old. Oh my god. On April 2nd, both Doris and Harry were stacked into a carpet bag along with bricks for added weight. Amelia made her way to Reading with the bodies and forced the carpet bag through the railings into the river 
how do you pronounce this t-h-a-m-e-s is it thames i guess so okay don't come at me if that's wrong guys <laughs> march 30th 1896 a package was retrieved from the the thames by a bargeman bargman i don't i don't know anything about victorian britain <laughs> it contained the body of a baby girl who was later identified as helena fry detective constable we anderson Sorry, I was, <laughs> I was trying to see pronunciation. Let's see. That's the name of this famous river in the UK that flows through southern England, including, of course, London. It flows for about 215 miles. We are looking at how to pronounce Thames River. Thames. Thames River. Thames? The Thames River. The Thames River. straightforward. Thames River. Thames River. Thames. That's not how it's spelled. <laughs> now we know. The Thames River. I thought that's what it said, but sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's okay. Now we know. <laughs> the Thames River. The Thames, not Thames. 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 Okay. Um. Okay, where was I at? Uh. uh, uh okay, so um, Detective Constable, which I love the word constable. I don't know why. <laughs> you love the word constable. Constable. Yeah. Detective Constable Anderson made a breakthrough when he used a microscope on the wrapping paper of the package and found the faintly legible name, Mrs. Thomas, and an address. And that address just so happened to be where she was living. This was, e- this was enough evidence to bring them to Amelia, but not enough to convict her of the murder. After speaking with Bristol police, it raised their concerns and suspicions even higher because she had <laughs> served six months of hard labor due to, you know, neglect of children and it ended with their deaths. So, mm. um, Detective Constable Anderson and Sergeant James put Amelia's house under surveillance. They decided to use, like, a young woman as a decoy with a child to mm-hmm. find, or to, you know, see if Amelia would, like, you know create a meeting with her yeah and it worked so um when amelia was like expecting her new client to like come <laughs> she found the detectives waiting on her doorstep on april 3rd good and then the police raided her home and as soon as they entered they were instantly hit with the smell of human oh. decomposition although they didn't find any human remains at all it was just a stinky house from all the because di- i mean if you think about it, like the first baby she killed she literally left it in the house wrapped in a cloth and the next day killed another baby and then put them in a so i mean and she probably had children in there for a while just, just decomposing for yeah. the next one because i mean why take one off when, when you, you can, can take, take like, like three yeah, yeah. so fucked up However, they did find other incriminating evidence such as the white edging tape mm-hmm. that they found you know, wrapped around two of the baby's necks, mm-hmm. telegrams regarding adoption arrangements, mm-hmm. pawn tickets for children's clothing, receipts, receipts, mm-hmm. <laughs> receipts, for <laughs> adver- <laughs> advertisements, and letters from mothers inquiring about the well-being of their children. So, obviously, there's something weird happening here. Yeah. In the previous few months alone, the police found evidence of at least 20 children under the care of Amelia. Aww. It's estimated that she killed over 400 oh. babies and children 
which makes her one of the most prolific serial killers ever. That is insane. I mean, she'd been doing this for years, years, like decades. Yeah. So she had children of her own. Mm -hmm. Was she a good mother? Didn't say. Did she ever get attached to any of these children and say, maybe I'm not going to kill this one? No. No. Ugh. Nope. Gross. I do not think so. On April 4th, Amelia was arrested and charged with murder. So this literally happened in like a three-day time span or a four-day time span. Mm-hmm. The, how was, how, did, how was it pronounced again? Thames. The Thames was dredged and six more bodies were found, including Doris and Harry. Wow. Each child mm-hmm. was found with the white edging tape around their throats. Gosh. And Amelia later said, um, you know it's mine if the white tape was around their neck. So Gross. Eleven days after Evelina had given Doris to Amelia, she identified her daughter's remains. Oh. That is so heartbreaking. <sighs> May 22nd, 1896, Amelia Dyer pled guilty to one count of murder, that being of Doris. Because, I mean, she really couldn't have gotten away with that one. Mm -hmm. Family and friends testified that they had started growing suspicious of Amelia because she would have all these kids and then not have any of these kids. Yeah. (laughs) Um, After four and a half minutes, the jury sided with the prosecution and declared... Oh, okay. I skipped a line. Okay, so <laughs> Amelia's defense was insanity mm-hmm. because she had been, you know, admitted into um, those asylums or whatever, you know, at the most convenient of times. Mm-hmm. And the prosecution argued that her mental instability was only a ploy to avoid detection or suspicion, which is what mm-hmm. we said earlier. Mm-hmm. And after four and a half minutes, the jury sided with that theory and declared Amelia Dyer guilty. Four and a half minutes. Literally four and a half minutes. <clears throat> they had made up their minds. On June 10th, 1896, Amelia was hanged by James Billington at Newton Prison. While on the scaffold, she was asked if she had anything to say, to which she replied, I have nothing to say. Hangings like are just like they give me just the heebies like so bad like just the thought of it it's a scary thought uh like how they used to do that to people oh oh i mean it's more humane than some of the other shit would you rather be hung or beheaded oof oof i don't know (laughs) i think i'd rather be hung all of that shit just no i don't like it so i have a few fun facts Mm -hmm. so there's a ballad inspired by amelia Mm -hmm. that so the the children and the people around (laughs) um they nicknamed her the ogress Mm -hmm. and they created this ballad and it goes the old baby farmer the wretched miss dyer at the old bailey her wages is paid which the old bailey is where um she was found guilty mm-hmm. in times long ago we made we uh, made a big fire <laughs> and roasted so nicely that wicked old jade mm. yeah um it's also theorized that amelia may have been jack the ripper wow the theory was brought forth by a man named william stewart there's also tons of williams wow but there's no evidence relating 
the Jack the Ripper murders to Amelia, other than that they were like alive around the same time and in the same areas. And I mean, she killed over 400 children who know she may have been killing. That's so crazy. Wow. Yeah. What if? I don't know. I don't know. I know they have a lot of theories on who could. You know what I'm th- I'm saying though? Like, if you're a serial killer and you're going to prison anyways, yeah, death row. Just admit to all your murder so What's, we know. Right. Stop leaving us hanging. Hanging. Right. Hanging. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have on her. It was a quick little short um, story. Super but interesting. I'm, I'm very intrigued. I wish there was just more detail, though, because... I mean, it's so long ago. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. And, but they also just don't really know for sure if she killed more than just, you know, those... That they found. Yeah. yeah. It's just theorized, even though I'm sure if... <laughs> I mean, if there's 400 parents saying we gave our baby to her and it never came back, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, a lot of them... They do know. They do know they died because of the coroner or whatever. Oh, right, right, right. But they just couldn't prove that, mm-hmm. you know, that it was by her by, doing. Yeah. yeah, homicide. Homicide. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself. All right. Um, I guess we're gonna take a quick little break here, and then we'll be back. This episode is sponsored by Rustic Peach. Rustic Peach is a small business owned by self-proclaimed crunchy mom, Jessica Armstrong. They offer over 20 different items, including lip balms, body products, and luxury candles made with pure soy. All of their items are handmade in small batches by a certified aromatherapist using only sustainable and clean ingredients. All of their fragrances are free of phthalates and parabens. I have purchased tons of items from Jessica, and I seriously cannot say that I've had a single complaint. And the fact that everything is natural makes it 10 times better. I've actually got one of her candles burning right now. As you can imagine, packing your entire life and business away and moving it across the country can be insanely difficult. Let's help support Jessica at her new home base with the holidays coming. You can reach Rustic Peach by email at rusticpeachnaturals at gmail.com. She's also on Instagram at rusticpeachnaturals and on Facebook at facebook.com slash rusticpeachga. Be sure to check out her website at rusticpeachga.com. Use code JUICER for 20% off your purchase at checkout. That's R-U-S-T-I-C. P-E-A-C-H-G-A dot com. Again, use code JUICER for 20% off at RusticPeachGA.com. Welcome back. All right, so... Uh, Before I begin, I would like to give a trigger warning. Uh, My case I am discussing uh, will detail several sexual assaults. 
So if you are sensitive to this, please uh, just go ahead and turn the episode off because it is extremely graphic. So I just want to add that in there before I begin. So uh, I will be discussing the murders of Shannon Christian and Christopher Newsom. Shannon Gail Christian was 21 years old and Christopher Newsom Jr., also known as Chris, was 23 years old. They were a young couple, both from Knoxville, Tennessee. They were beautiful. They were your all-American blonde couple, (laughs) you know, upper middle class, um, came from good families. Um, Christopher Newsom was born in September 1983 in Knoxville. His parents were older than usual um, for parenthood, and they already had grown children. And they lived a comfortable life built on a foundation of work and faith. And all of a sudden, baby boy Christopher is born. <laughs> Literally in my family with Ottoman <laughs> Right. Uh, Christopher was described uh, full of energy. He was a sweetheart and just full of artistic talent. Um, he was a dedicated baseball player since the age of four. Wow. He played all throughout high school. And uh, as an adult, he picked up a carpentry, a carpentry job. His mother said he loved sports and he was very talented. He liked doing things that were beautiful, she said. Christopher Newsom used his used his hands to craft art artwork and artistic wor- wood creations. Ooh. I don't know why I just messed that entire <laughs> sentence up. But so he was just very crafty with his hands. Uh, his parents said that he was not only a carpenter, but he was a craftsman. The Newsoms knew that their son had a beautiful heart, but they just didn't know quite how big it was until after he passed away. Oh, no. Yeah. So tons of people came to them and told them stories of his kindness, uh, how he took a dateless homecoming uh, uh, girl to homecoming. Uh, He took a dateless girl to homecoming. Um, how once he sat down with a girl in the lunchroom who had been bullied by other students and even about a time how he lulled uh, a snarling pit bull at a job site. So he was just a very kind, gentle soul. Well, someone who cares about others. Humanity yeah. and animals and just well. a loving, kind person. So now I'm wondering how does he get into the situation he gets into? <sighs> It's just a very unfortunate situation. Now, Shannon was a senior market, uh, a senior made uh, a senior majoring in sociology at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and she had a bright future. She would have been graduating in December of two thousand seven. She was born in April of 1985 in Nacogdoches, Texas, where her parents lived with her older brother, Chase. The family later relocated to Knoxville when Shannon was still a young girl. They settled in West Knoxville and built a solid middle class, middle, you know, upper class life. Mm -hmm. From the start, her mother said that Shannon lit up the rooms with her toothy smile, fun-loving spirit, and gentle heart. Her mom said she loved life. 
her friends would call her with boyfriend issues. She was just kind of like the little therapist, you know. <laughs> Me. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, she loved children. Shannon and her mom were best friends and they shared nearly everything. They spent hours just talking about life. Um, Dina Christian, uh, Shannon's mom, said that she was always specific and she had it all planned. She wanted four kids and she wanted the first one to be a boy, a big brother like her big brother, brother Chase. You know, it's funny. Mm -hmm. So my whole entire life, I wanted to have a boy first yeah. um, so that he could be protector. the protector. Yeah. And then when I found out I was having a boy, mm -hmm. I was devastated because you wanted a girl. A girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but now I like would no not change it for it. Like, I'm so oh, glad course. I had a boy. Of yeah. course. So the couple met through mutual friends in 2006. The two had only been dating for a couple of months, but they were super happy together and they were very much head over heels for each other. Oh, they sound like a good couple. Yeah, they do. They were adorable too. Um, on the evening of January 6th, 2007 Shannon and Chris had plans on going to dinner and then to the birthday party of a mutual friend and Chris was running late Shannon was upset Shannon sat in the front seat of her brand new silver uh, Toyota 4Runner parked outside a friend's Knoxville apartment complex Chris was standing outside uh, her door just trying to set things right hugging kissing her and just kind of loving on her and uh unfortunately the couple never made it to that birthday party oh, no. instead the two would experience the unimaginable they were suddenly attacked by armed uh, armed assailants and never saw it coming they were forced into the back seat of shannon's suv at gunpoint with their hands bound behind their backs and were driven to a rundown rental home only a few miles away so this was like a freak thing it was like a uh like in my place, opinion basically yeah right. okay so she had uh gone to her friend's house to get ready for the night and uh he was supposed to pick her up right or either you know meet her there and they would mm -hmm. ride together and she was just kind of pissy like god like why are you late this is annoying so you know he's kind of standing there loving on her trying to make things right and they just got like ambushed wow yeah so Oops. The mastermind uh, behind this ambush was LaMarcus Davidson. He was a scummy drug dealer who recently had been let out of prison and he was on parole for a carjacking conviction. Oh, sounds like a great guy. Yeah. At the time, living with him were his brother uh, Latalvis Cobbins and two friends visiting from Kentucky, Vanessa Coleman and George Thomas. Wow, I had a George Thomas in my story, yeah, too. Yeah, isn't that strange? <laughs> That's crazy. Also in tow was friend Eric Boyd. The crew who <laughs> largely came... That was like a you thing right there. <laughs> <laughs> the crew who largely came from rough upbringings and were described as unstable and always into something. <clears throat> Broke and angry... LaMarcus decides that he's going to carjack someone. The unexpecting innocent victims just so happen to be Chris and Shannon. <laughs> Imagine just like being broke and what was the other word you said? Uh, broke and angry. And just, just being like, you know what would make me feel better? Yeah. Just taking someone's car. I think it was 
Yeah. Or, uh, you know, or, you know, even a money motivated thing, you know, we need to find somebody with a flashy vehicle and carjack them and maybe they have things and, you know, oh my um, gosh. Shannon's forerunner was brand new. It was right. a gift from her parents, you know, it, it stuck out, it stuck out to them. So, uh, when Chris didn't come home that night, his parents weren't really like super concerned. I mean, he was 23 years old. So he, they both lived with their parents? Both of them lived okay. with their parents. He was an adult. He was 23. Mm-hmm. Um, and he mostly just kind of came and went as he pleased. You know, you don't really hold tight reins on your 23 year old. Right. You know? Yeah. So uh, if he didn't come home, they would just assume that he spent the night at a friend's house or something. No biggie, you know? You know what's so scary about that is like that's kind of how I was when I was like 18 and 19 Mm -hmm. and like my brother lived with my parents you know until he was like you know 24 probably yeah maybe even 25 Mm -hmm. and um you know he would like not come home for weeks and Mm -hmm. it's like you you didn't really think anything of it no you never think like let me like let my mom know i'm still alive Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that must be so scary for Mm -hmm. a parent honestly i'm sorry mom (sighs) yeah (laughs) now dina christian who was shannon's mom it was completely different for her um she awoke with a bad feeling on january 7th shannon wasn't home and she wasn't answering any phone calls or texts and that was not like 21 year old shannon like i said her and her mother were extremely close if she was going to stay somewhere overnight she would have let them know you know and just out of i guess respect you know what i mean and being close to your parents yes she was an adult but you know she didn't want to worry them yeah i mean she lived with them so exactly I mean, like my mom used to text me and you know get mad at me for not letting her know that i left and i'm like yeah. dude i'm like 18 like i can do what i want to do but then again it's your mom exactly. you know and you live under her roof now that i am a parent if yeah. my child was like that even if he was 18 and still living with me i would mm-hmm. <laughs> i would not stand for it right um, like I said, they were, you know, super close. So she always informed her mom and dad about where she would be, you know. Um, the worry only got worse when Shannon's best friend called and said that the two were no shows at the party. Mm. So then Shannon's boss called her parents and said that she never came to work. So this is when Dina, uh, Dina Christian, Shannon's mom, calls 911. But because Shannon and Chris were adults, the police couldn't step in until 24 hours had passed. Can't really file a missing person report on an adult. You Which know what I mean? Bullshit. I think it's opinion. bullshit because it's wasting time. Yeah. You, your family knows you. When something's wrong, something's wrong. You know what I mean? Right. Um, if it's not like you, I think they should get on it. Why 24 hours? Plus, it's like, let's say that they were fine and they didn't want their parents intervening. Uh-huh. All the police have to do is talk to them and they're like yeah no i don't want to talk to my mom and they're Mm -hmm. like okay that's it like that's the worst that could happen Mm -hmm. so they couldn't step in until 24 hours had passed so i mean like i said they're adults they're free to come and go as they please without questioning you know so uh, but the family still just felt that something was off and they came together and something was off so it's like Mm -hmm. In the meantime, and with no help from the authorities, Shannon's dad decides to take matters into his own hands. Good dad. Good dad. 
So he goes to the phone company where Shannon shared a plan with her family. Mm -hmm. And Shannon's cell phone was pinging near Cherry Street. Honestly, I'm sorry. I'm going to cut in really fast. Yeah. I think it's such a good idea to have phone plans with With your your family. family. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, me and Scotty both have our phones in my mom's name and like Mm -hmm. you can go online and see like just about like everything you know what i mean exactly and so it's like if we ever went missing our parents yeah my parents could easily find us you know i have aaron and uh both the girls on my phone plan and i can see where their phone calls originate from exactly so yeah i think it's a great idea too you know yeah um because otherwise you can't get legally get into anybody's phone you know right like guys get a phone plan with your parents and then just pay for your phone like give them your money or whatever Either your parents but or your husband and your, oh, you know, yeah, your like kids your, yeah. yeah if you don't have them though your parents or honestly yeah. like friends yeah it's not a bad idea and sometimes it it's a cheaper. lot cheaper yeah exactly. exactly so uh yeah the families come together because they're like something is off here like we're gonna figure this shit out because mm-hmm. the police are no help so uh sh- he goes to the phone company and uh like i said the f- her cell phone's ping near cherry street which is a high crime neighborhood in the city oh no like you don't go to cherry street unless you're up to no good and i'm sure this was like no way to her parents exactly because, yeah. exactly and it's not somewhere that shannon would ever hang out right you know they're like what like it's a rough street and it's basically like if you want crack or a prostitute you go to cherry street so <laughs> crack or- you know we have those neighborhoods in atlanta oh, it's oh, like yeah. you know my we cell phone here well right and, yeah i mean if my cell phone was pinging and you know i don't want to say a neighborhood but i have one of mine in covington my family would be horrified dude if your phone was pinging anywhere in atlanta i'd be like she's kidnapped (laughs) right she is gone so yeah the family is like super confused and like horrified you know so on january 8th shannon's dad gary decides he's gonna figure this out himself since he can't get you know help from the police go gary yeah so he decides to cre- create his own search party consisting of family and friends, and he ch- he, uh, he heads to Cherry Street. Dude, if I go missing, you guys please do this. Yeah, for me. come do together. For me. Yeah. I will do it for you. Absolutely. Do it for me. Oh, if I thought something was, I mean, Alyssa, you've not answered me for a couple of hours, and I was about to drive. <laughs> come find your ass. <laughs> I was literally moments away from getting in my vehicle and coming to find you. Did we ever tell that story? I don't think so. Oh my god. Should we discuss it right right quick? Sure. So this was like the it was a day after we were at Brooks grandmother's what is it like their anniversary party yeah and th- mind you this is a uh day this is a day that we podcast. Yeah. This is a Sunday. Right. So I um i told you i was going there though right yes yeah for like to grab something really quick like so basically titus (laughs) he when we were there the other day he like had taken one of um her grandmother's like cat wooden figurine thingies and she was having trouble finding it so and she lives very close to brooke so Mm -hmm. i just figured i would go over there and help her look for it before i went over to brooke's house 
So I get there and like I immediately find it and I'm like, oh, it's literally mm-hmm. it's right there. And so um, her, well, you, you call her Nana, right? Yeah. So her Nana, she's a talker. Oh, she's a big talker. Oh, she's a talker. So I, <laughs> I'm like, I find it, you know, I wish her well and tell her bye and I go to my car and she calls out to me and like tells me she wants to show me something. So I go back and she like basically comes running out of the house like, oh, wait, Alyssa. <laughs> yeah, she was like, Alyssa, wait, I want to show you something. And I was like, oh, God, OK, what? <laughs> and she showed me a beautiful bouquet of flowers that her husband had gotten her and then a five pound Hershey's bar <laughs> in school. But anyway, so she ended up talking to me for like, like an hour two hours oh, it was two hours oh it, yeah so it was two hours and i was standing on her front porch just talking to her and like i felt my phone vibrating but you know i didn't think that two hours had flown by because i'm also a talker right so um <laughs> her her nonna tells me she's like well i'm gonna let you go before brooke um has the police out looking <laughs> for you and i was like in my head i'm like it's been like 30 minutes oh my god <laughs> and i like look at my phone and i have like missed calls from brooke and i have like five text messages from brooke and i've called my brother and i'm like is Alyssa okay what's <laughs> going on and nobody's answering me and i call my nana and i call my papa and nobody's answering me and i'm like okay <laughs> Like, I'm thinking Alyssa has driven off the side of a cliff. Like, <laughs> literally, I am the worst about that, though. Like, I really am the worst about updating people. Like, mm-hmm. every time I leave here, Brooke's like, Text let me, me know when you get, get home. home. And I never do it because I never remember when I get there. <laughs> so, if I ever, if you can't get in touch with me, let's say now three hours since it's been two, then send the search party. I was freaking out. I was literally to the point I was about to get in my car. Like I had told my daughter and everything, like, I think we need to go look for her. I'm very concerned. <laughs> and about that time she rolls up and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I didn't even realize it had been that long. I didn't realize it till she told me. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like when I get to talk and I just just talk i i mean i I, in the back of my head that's what i kept saying to myself like not all talks a lot you know but then i'm like i don't know man this is sketch like she's not looked at her phone this entire time either well you know when i'm talking to somebody i like to be respectful respectful and and like staring at your phone the whole time exactly especially when i'm talking to like you know older people i feel like they find it very rude if Mm -hmm. you like look at your phone so Mm -hmm. yeah so anyway (laughs) uh back to the story so um Let's see. Uh, So Gary, Shannon's dad, decides he's going to figure this out himself since he can't get any help from the police just yet. He creates a search party consisting of family and friends, and he heads to the sketchy ass street, Cherry Street. So Gary ends up finding Shannon's SUV a a few blocks from Cherry Street around 1 a.m. that morning. The police impounded the car and search it. Mm-hmm. So rather than the parents reclaim it, they decided to allow it to be, you know, impounded. That way the police could search it and yeah. try to find clues. So um, the SUV looks like it's been wiped down and pretty much everything is missing from it, um, including a teddy bear and photographs that uh, Shannon kept there, um, as well as her charger and iPod. Like they've like wiped it clean, like literally not only, you know, wiped it clean, like with a wipe, but like (laughs) taken everything out of it. That was very smart of the parents. So, oh yeah, to allow yeah. it to be, mm-hmm. yeah, and not Very just smart. take it. Right, yeah, because they could have, like, you know, damaged evidence. Exactly. Yeah. 
So uh, the front seats were pushed all the way back where Shannon couldn't have possibly reached the pedals. The floorboard was covered with mud. Uh, Stickers that were on the outside windows that she had collected were removed. Uh, Police also found a pack of Newports, even though neither Christian or Newsom smoked them. So did they do that to like make it seem like it wasn't her car? Because I think so. You can tell by the license plate. Exactly. Like, Like, what was the point? Like, you just abandoned it, but you just took the stickers off. And and you know that took time. Yeah. To take some fucking stickers off. I mean, that's stupid. Like, what's the point? So, at this point, I mean, the family's, like, kind of nervous. They're like, okay, this is sketchy, but you don't want to think the worst. They're just kind of like, okay, well... Her car was stolen, so we need to find her. You At know? that point, I would be thinking the worst. For yeah, sure. you don't want to think like she's murdered. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, you're freaking out. Yeah. So, uh, that same morning, less than a hundred yards away from Shannon's SUV, is found a train conductor spots a smoldering body <sighs> on the tracks. Okay. More than 80% of this body was burned, but forensics identified the body um, as that of Chris Newsom. Oh my gosh. These pathetic killers showed no mercy. Chris was naked from the waist down, only wearing a t-shirt and was wrapped in a comforter. A sweatshirt was wrapped around his head. Now, I'm just going to tell you guys, and I should have given a trigger warning at the beginning of of this as well i did mention the sexual assault but these de- details uh regarding the deaths of these two are extremely graphic and hard to stomach and i would venture to say this is probably one of the top three most horrific crimes that i've ever researched wow so either listen or turn it off now because it it's it's very 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 graphic So, uh, as I said, he was naked from the waist down. He was wearing a t-shirt and was wrapped in a comforter. A sweatshirt was wrapped around his head. His hands had been bound behind his back and his feet were tied together. His bare, muddy feet indicated that he he had walked to the spot of his death. Oh, no. He had been blindfolded with a banana. A bandana. I'm sorry. (laughs) Banana. Uh, That was awful. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I Blindfolded just, <laughs> with a bandana. A banana. We are laughing because of bandana. This is a horrific, horrific we're, story. We're I mean, no disrespect whatsoever. I'm laughing at the thought of a banana on somebody's eyes. Blindfolded. <laughs> Blindfolded with a bandana. And he had been gagged with a sock. He had been shot three times. One time in the neck. Once in the back. And the fatal shot was fired execution style with the muzzle of the gun against his head above his right ear. That shot severed his brainstem. Oh my God. He had been repeatedly raped and sodomized by a person and with an object. There was semen present in Chris's body, but the fire had destroyed any DNA evidence. Oh my God. Oh, what a horrific, horrific death. Can't even imagine. (sighs) So, in the meantime, police are still processing uh, Shannon's impounded forerunner. The only clue they can spot is a thumbprint on the back of an envelope in the vehicle. They run the print, and a match pops up. 
it is that of none other than Lamarcus Davidson. Coincidentally, Davidson lived on Chipman Street, which was only a, a few blocks away from where the, uh, Chris's body was found. And this was enough to get a warrant. Good. <clears throat> yeah. He's already a dangerous criminal. We yeah. know he has carjacking offenses. He's a drug dealer. He lives in a sketchy area. He's a sketchy dude. So they were like, mm, warrant. Right. Your fingerprints in this vehicle. We're coming. Mm -hmm. So full SWAT rides up to Davidson's home. They are like ready to go. Good. And this motherfucker probably thought he was so smart. Yeah. Because, I mean, they took off all the stickers. Uh -huh. they oh, took yeah. A so wipe smart. And they fucking wiped everything down. Ugh. He probably was not expecting that. So uh, Davidson wasn't home, but they busted it in. The home was disgusting, and it was clearly just a drug house. There were piles of clothes throughout the house, old food wrappers and food everywhere, porn all over the place. It was just nasty. Um, police spotted a overflowing trash can in the kitchen and an investigator opens it. And you guys, I don't think you can even possibly prepare for what is about to be seen. Oh, no. It's about to get really bad. So the investigator opens the trash can and finds Shannon's body in the trash can. Her whole entire kitchen. body? Her whole entire body in the trash can in the kitchen like, in this home. It's cut up or shoved? Shoved. I'll tell you exactly what they did to her. Oh, my God. So Shannon was naked from the waist down and had been hogtied with curtains and strips of bedding from the house. Um, she was just, you know, tied so tightly that her knees were touching her cheeks. Oh my God. She had a white plastic bag wrapped tightly around her head and her body was covered with five large black trash, trash bags. Three of the large bags had Davidson's pr prints on them. Shannon was still alive when she was placed in the trash can, and she died slowly of suffocation after suffering hours and hours of pure torture. Wh why? Why is the big question here? Why? And there are no answers to why. Um, I will discuss a little bit later uh, kind of the backstory behind it. But this is all so unnecessary and disgusting like it's how just, can you do that to mm -hmm. to two people mm -hmm. like number one i will never ever in my entire life understand sexual assault oh yeah like this, i this is gory graphic disgusting yeah sexual assault i'm about to discuss like i legit will never understand it, it like it doesn't make sense to me how somebody can be so okay with because you know that is such a just vulnerable just personal, personal thing mm -hmm. and you are just taking that from somebody why mm -hmm. because you want to feel powerful you want to mm -hmm. feel in control mm -hmm. you just you guys um i told my husband my husband does not like hearing about sexual assault like it's a huge trigger for him he cannot handle it and uh i told him which case i was doing and he was familiar with it from years back reading it and he said it just it 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 this story like once you hear it you don't forget it yeah it just made him so sick you know and i was kind of talking he doesn't like to hear about this anyway he really doesn't listen to our podcast because 
he has a hard time with these things, mm-hmm. you know, just the murders in general and the sexual assaults. But, uh, yeah, he said it, it was just like he, he can't even handle me talking about it. Like, it's it's bad. God, it's so. fucking just. Um, Shannon had sustained traumatic brain injuries and severe injuries to her vagina, anus, and mouth due to repeated sexual assaults. Hopefully she was like unconscious while in the bag. Mm, I don't think she was. Her injuries were also consistent with being raped with an object. According to the medical examiner, the sexual attack on Christian endured was so extreme and much more than a simple sexual assault. Prosecutors believe that Shannon Christian was tied to a chair and orally raped. Uh, Shannon was also anally and vaginally raped. She was beaten and kicked in her vagina and beaten in the head. She had extensive hemorrhaging to her head and vaginal area. She was covered in bruising and carpet burns. And bleach had been poured down her throat while she was alive in an attempt to make any DNA evidence disappear. What the fuck? I, I, yeah, I'm telling you, like, this is a case you don't forget. Okay, but why the fuck are you pouring bleach down this poor girl's throat and then throwing her body away in your own garbage can? Exactly. Like what is like what was and your then plan disposing with the other body a few blocks away from mm-hmm. your house? Mm-hmm. Like you are a fucking dumb fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um her body had been scrubbed with bleach including her bleeding and battered genital area. Oh my god. And poor she was girl. still alive. Um <clears throat> So her vaginal area had been repeatedly kicked is what they determined. I also don't understand trigger warning, trigger warning, like raping somebody with an object. Oh, like what is the point? Oh, just to torture them. I think that like that makes me want to die. Oh, yeah. Just the thought of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so several items that belonged to Shannon and Chris were found in the house. Uh, Shannon's purse, clothing she had in her vehicle, shoes, a camera, photographs, which had been ripped and burned. Um, What, destroying evidence? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're fucking stupid. Um, Her iPad or iPod and uh, Chris's baseball caps and his driver's license were found there. Several of the victim's belongings had Davidson's prints on them. The items from Shannon's SUV were shoved into trash bags. In addition to the sperm found on Christian's body, Davidson's sperm was also found on Christian's jeans, while Cobbin's sperm was found on her camisole, sweater, and jeans. Shell casings found at Davidson's house matched the bullets used to kill Newsom. All the evidence was right there. So not even like they tried to hide it. I mean, her body is in a trash can in your kitchen. Like, what are you <clears throat> hiding Ugh. at this point? Like, what are you trying to erase evidence for? Because mm-hmm. the body is literally in your trash can. Exactly. Ugh. Go fucking Gary, though. Because yeah. if they wouldn't have found that car, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have gotten the print. Exactly. They wouldn't have catch this fucker. And God, you know, if 
you know, she was killed a day or so after he was. She suffered hours and hours and hours of torture. That you plus know? the thought that like her boyfriend's fucking dead. Yeah. Like literally, I cannot imagine a worse way to go. <sighs> so I'm going to kind of set the scene regarding how all of this happened. Um, the media did not, well, I'll say it was very conflicting. Some of the media considered this a hate crime, while some did not. I don't, after reading and, and researching this, necessarily think that it was a hate crime. I think it was more of a crime of opportunity, and they just happened to be the ones. I think it could have happened to anybody regardless of color, because mm-hmm. these people were that evil. Do you think that maybe they they were worse to them though because, because they were white, white. Like, um, not necessarily it's not necessarily a hate crime but i mean it could have fueled anger as well it could it could um i'll kind of talk a little bit about that um here shortly about people's opinions differing opinions about yeah. that to me though it does sound like wrong place wrong time yeah. it doesn't sound like they specifically targeted two mm-hmm. white people they just so happen to be in the area mm-hmm. so um but, of course, because the suspects were black and the victims were white, people went nuts. Right. Protests happened. Um, police Chief Sterling Owen said that there was no indication of the crimes uh, being racially motivated um, and that the murders and assaults appeared to have been a random violent act. He, uh, well, no, I'm sorry, he didn't say this, but... Uh, John Gill, a special counsel to the Knox Attorney District, um, said that there is absolutely no proof of a hate crime. We know from our investigation that the people charged in this case were friends with white people, socialized with white people, and dated white people. Not only is there no evidence of any racial um, crime here, there is evidence to the contrary. Now, Chris Newsom's mom said, if this isn't a hate crime, then I don't know how you would define a hate crime. It may have started out as a carjacking, but what it developed into was blacks hating whites. To do the things they did, they would have had to hate them to do that. And to me, though, like, I feel like it was a sexually motivated crime, in my opinion, because, I mean, that's what happened. That's the majority of what happened. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if it was a hate crime, Mm -hmm. there would have been, like, definitely something showing that it was specifically because they're They're white. white. Yeah. Exactly. Um, So, the case, of course, attracts the attention of white supremacists. Of course. So, and uh, on May 27th, 2007, around 30 white supremacists rallied in downtown Knoxville in order to protest against the murders. And they were met there by counter-protesters, many who were dressed as clowns. That was supposed to be basically like a parody of the KKK. What the fuck? So. Like, what? <clears throat> that doesn't make you any better than these two killers. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if if it was a hate crime mm-hmm. and you're going out pretending to be the fucking KKK, mm-hmm. like, you are the hate crime <clears throat> right now. Right. That's what you are. Mm-hmm. Now, the president of the Knoxville chapter of the NAACP, Reverend Ezra Mays, addressed the case and said, 
It doesn't make me uncomfortable speaking out against this crime because it was African Americans committing a crime against Caucasians. It's not a black and white issue. It's a right and wrong issue. Those who committed this crime were unjust in doing so and they should pay the penalty. So initially, this plan was only a robbery slash carjacking, okay? Uh They genuinely did not approach them planning to murder them and do these things. That wasn't the plan to begin with. It doesn't seem like it. Well, I'll tell you why. So another car pulled into the parking lot, and it basically spooked the assailants. And that's when the couple was forced into the back of the SUV. So basically, they're like, oh, shit, like, there's a car coming, like, get in the back you know what i mean so that's how that happened um egged on by davidson thomas was the one that shot christopher newsome so he shoots him in the neck at the tracks then he shoots christopher newsome in the back at this point christopher newsome is still alive and paralyzed on the ground and then davidson shoots newsome in the head execution style Now, Shannon Christian was left with Vanessa Coleman in the home. She was the only female in this situation, one of the friends that were from out of town. Mm -hmm. The whole time this is happening to Chris, Shannon is left in the home with this woman, okay? When Davidson and Thomas came back from the railroad tracks, they attack Shannon. She was then tied up, brutally raped both, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, anally, orally, and vaginally. She was so savagely brutalized that a membrane in her mouth was damaged. She was told that if she complied, that they would let her go. She had significant blood pooling in her genital region. Testimony shows that her vagina had been mutilated, possibly using a detached table leg. Wow. Yeah. Wow is right. Also, fuck Vanessa. Yeah. Fuck her. Come on, lady. Like, women you were alone with this girl you could have let her go literally both could have gotten in the car and gone to the police station exactly so according to her own grand jury testimony vanessa coleman um, was fully aware of what was happening to shane and christian throughout the almost 24-hour ordeal but she made no attempt to help her other than bringing her water so back backing up just a bit Mm -hmm. so you're saying that this was supposed to be just a carjacking mm-hmm. and the reason why it turned into all of this is because they got spooked mm-hmm. i don't buy that yeah. like at all yeah you because think their plan was to they literally could have murder. driven off and then just dumped <clears throat> them somewhere right you why know? take them back to the house and, and do then all do all these this things. stuff yeah no yeah. like you don't and they're not driving thinking you know what we could do we could brutally rape these two yeah and then kill them yeah. like that's not the conversation that happened yeah. in my opinion like yeah. that's just a fucking lie yeah yeah to probably like to reduce your sentence like it was not premeditated mm-hmm. no it it was for sure yeah you think they plant go out went out planning to murder people oh yeah 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 that's carjackings do not turn into something like that right like if you were just gonna take the car you would have just taken the car mm-hmm. even if you kidnapped them for a second just to throw them out right you know right yeah that makes sense so uh like i said uh vanessa coleman was fully aware of what was happening to her but made no attempt to help her other than bringing her water and at more than one point the two women are alone in the house together so they had multiple opportunities to leave together come on woman like 
women helping women like come the fuck on also like why would you want to be a part of that yeah especially if you like weren't doing anything genuinely she could have been terrified of the monsters that did this you know what i mean yeah but but if they would have went to the police and been like hey you need to go to this house they killed this person they're torturing this girl yeah like she would have been okay right because they would have been arrested exactly but I mean, I guess when you're so filled with fear, I mean, who knows? Maybe she really was just terrified. But to me, <laughs> uh, who knows? Who's to say, you know, but me personally, if I was with two men and I'd seen this happening, I would be scared fucking shitless and I would dip out and I would take this girl with me. Oh, say, like if and it's, they obviously trusted. Her. Well, I mean, like that's she probably is just an evil person because if, if they didn't trust her to yeah. stay there with mm-hmm. her by herself they Wouldn't they would have, have done her. it yeah, yeah exactly so uh finally christian was strangled and beaten unconscious in the kitchen and then she was dragged into the living room and tied up in a fetal position um again as i said about the bleach um to rid the very much at this time alive shannon of dna Davidson is the one who poured bleach down her throat and doused her entire body in it. And that's when they wrapped her in the five trash bags. Um, She was encased alive in these plastic trash bags. Poor girl, poor girl. They stuffed her into a large Rubbermaid trash can, still very much alive. How? Okay, but like, how tall was she? Because I really feel like... Small girl, I think. She's small because I just could not see somebody fitting inside of a trash I can. can i mean like we have a trash can in the back room of my work like the sterilization order that i could see a somebody's fitting in if you have them you know tied up and bound and i'm just thinking of my regular kitchen trash can because that's yeah. what it seems like this no is. i'm thinking it's more of almost like like what i have outside that like they pick up from uh like on the oh. street that's what i'm imagining but is in the kitchen who knows they were nasty probably oh my god that's what i'm thinking i don't think it's just like a small trash can so um so uh uh shannon slowly suffocated to death and her eyes were open when she died oh my god horrifying horrifying i just i i can't imagine being the person finding that Oh, my God. Can you imagine? No, I don't can't. think you would ever get that image out of your oh, head. No, no, no. Mm-mm. Oh, no. <sighs> Especially when you finally learn what happened to her. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like she she probably looked weird because <laughs> they, well, they well, beat her, yeah. but they also poured bleach all over her. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever gotten bleach on you, but it makes your skin weird. Yeah. Poor girl. I can't imagine, dude. And the poor family to find out all this shit Ugh. happened to Ugh. their daughter, to their son. I, I, my heart goes out to them. Like, I, I cannot. That's like something that you would struggle with for the, like, oh. you could never come to peace with your, no. with it. No, 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 never. No. Mm. So on uh, January 11th, LaMarcus Davidson, Latavis Cobbins, and George Thomas were arrested and charged with the murders of the couple. Eric Boyd was arrested and charged as an accessory. Vanessa Coleman <clears throat> was located in Kentucky and also arrested for murder. Four of the five defendants, Eric Boyd, Latavis Cobbins, LaMarcus Davidson, and George Thomas had multiple prior felony convictions no surprise there yeah it's just such a fucking shame 
So Davidson's on death row because, again, he's kind of the mastermind. He's the one that did the most. Good. Cobbins and Thomas were convicted and sentenced to life in prison without parole. Good. Vanessa Coleman uh, was convicted and she is serving a 35-year sentence. Vanessa Coleman was eligible for parole in 2017, um, and her sentence expires on April 18th, 2036. In August of 2014, the families of the victims were notified that with good behavior, Coleman's sentence was being reduced by 16 days per month of incarceration. Dude, she needs life because literally good behavior or not, if you can sit around watching that happen, you're a danger to society. Thank you. Yeah, that's bullshit. Like, who's to say she's not going to do this again? Exactly. So, uh, yeah, she was, you know, her sentence was reduced and that made her eligible for parole consideration in October of 2014. Way too soon. Way too soon. I literally cannot even like what is wrong with our justice system? Yeah. Yeah. What is wrong? I'm telling you. So uh, that parole hearing was rescheduled from October to December. And at that December 2014 hearing, she was denied parole. And her next parole consideration date was set for December 2020. So we're talking right now. Can Can the families, like, protest that? I think, like, once you're sentenced, you're sentenced. Like right i mean i don't know but if they can protest that i fucking hope they are oh absolutely i'll sign the petition so i'm not sure if this has happened yet um i feel like i would have read that she's been released if she was you know. i hope they deny it i hope they keep mm-hmm. on denying it and if she does get out yeah before her sentence is up i hope she never was paroled oh yeah so uh Eric Boyd was convicted at the federal level and was sentenced to 18 years in federal prison for being an accessory after the fact to the carjacking. He was indicted on state level charges in the same case more than a decade later in 2018. Now, I want to talk about the judge that did their case. So criminal court judge Richard Baumgartner was addicted to drugs for years, had sex during court breaks court breaks and bought pills from convicts that he had sentenced the judge the judge why is he make this shit up oh he's not now uh, you can't make this shit up like it's fucking nuts so this judge looked around for multiple doctors who would prescribe him oxycodone hydrocodone and uh xanax and valium but when he couldn't get it he literally would buy it from the criminals that he was convicting um or did he give them lenient sentences probably and uh if he couldn't get it from them he would find ways of contacting their friends so he could get it dude imagine a judge coming to you trying to buy pills Mm -hmm. you know what i would do (laughs) go to the police (laughs) right so of course you know any criminal that had previously been convicted by him were like oh shit like i get a retrial you know what i mean yeah um, but because of the double jeopardy rule, none of the sub uh, sus- none of the suspects uh, could be found guilty of any higher crime than their previous convictions. So that means only Davidson was again eligible for the death penalty. The victims' families are uh, braced for the new trials, uh, which could take years, but they finally were done. 
Uh, Mary Newsom, who was Chris Newsom's mother, said, we've wasted four years of our lives because of what he did. Speaking about uh, the judge's behavior. Right. You know, having to go through that all again because the judge is a fucking drug addict. But you know what, though? Like, I feel like everybody besides Vanessa had a good sentence. Yeah. So I, f- I feel like it's not like he was lenient on them. Right. So right. they should have just kept it. Mm hmm. So uh, two of the four defendants convicted in the Christian Newsom case ended up getting new trials because of the judge's conduct. Bullshit. But again, juries convicted them. Like it really didn't help these fucking monsters right. in any way. So fuck them. Um, ex-judge Baumgartner died from natural causes in 2018. So he's gone. The judge? Yeah. Thank God. Fuck yeah. Him. Right? Isn't that terrible? He would have sex with people on his break? Yes. <laughs> he was mean? like 60 something years old too. Who is he having sex with? Who knows? Probably the people he was convicting. Like the criminals. <laughs> you know, so he could get that Xanax. I mean, I don't know. Dude, what a fucking freak. Gross. So uh, the house at 2316 Chipman Street where the murders took place was demolished in October of 2018. Uh, the intent is to replace the house with a memorial dedicated to Newsom and Christian. That's good. And that is all I've got. Honestly, though, I wouldn't want a memorial at the place I died if it was on yeah. such a sketchy street. Yeah. Yeah. Especially where all this horrible, heinous stuff happened to me and my boyfriend. But you also, like, don't really want to rebuild a house there either. You know what I mean? Like, just make it an empty lot. Yeah. And put them a, memor- a memorial somewhere else. Yeah. Dedicate a restaurant to them. Mm-hmm. A friggin' garden somewhere. Yeah. Like. there, I think there are other memorial spots, too. I, I saw some pictures. So. That's all I've gotten. Truly, like I said, that's probably one of my top three that have just really, really affected me. Oh, yeah. That fucked me up, dude. Oh, my God. I went in this week and I was like, you know, I feel like Brooke always outshines my stories. Oh, whatever. Because hers are always, like, so much better than mine. I feel like mine are always, like, super vicious. Yeah, but that's, like, what people want to hear. And so this week I was like, huh, I have a baby farmer story. And then you hit me with the this story and i'm like oh my god that's nuts those are the hard ones where like i want to do them because i am so very interested in them but it's it's hard and it yeah it's draining and it's exhausting and it's heartbreaking and you just feel so much from it you know oh yeah anything with vicious sexual assault like that always gets me too absolutely because it's just so like you it doesn't make sense no it, it doesn't it, it genuinely i mean they can't be getting sexual pleasure from that it is just about like hurting that person oh i don't know dude i mean well maybe yeah i think a bunch people of get out there. off by causing that uh kind of torment and pain to people like oh. i don't know i it's Sick humiliating in this world yeah it's and i mean like when this is happening to her there's like people watching it oh, happen yeah. and it's well, like to him too they did the same thing to him but, but I like think who she, the fuck like just you stand around watching this like yeah. what does that give you now i cannot remember which one of the uh the uh, suspects they determined raped christopher it may have been more than one but i know one of the men they had found like gay pornography in his phone so mm. it was suspected to have been him but my God, like I just, oh, it's just so heinous and so. 
unnecessary yeah exactly so unnecessary why did you have to do that things like that are worse to me than like like oh my god so sorry then like um fucking like jeffrey dahmer shit yeah i mean like i know there was sexual assault Mm -hmm. with jeffrey dahmer but i feel like it most of the time they were dead when it happened which i mean it's horrible Mm -hmm. but you know sexual torment is just that and and in not more than how the sexual assault gets me but just like pouring bleach down this woman's throat and she's probably throwing the fuck up stuffing her in a trash can with her knees pressed to her cheeks while While she's she's alive alive. yeah oh i i just like shoot me and take me out of my misery like none of them had a conscience none none no they were all psychopaths for sure Mm-hmm. like you cannot do that kind of thing while having a conscience Ugh. i fully believe that no no oh that's all folks <laughs> well um sorry to ruin y'all's day night whatever it may be can we like end this on a positive note <laughs> yeah so literally in my part of oh, the episode yeah. i mentioned i had a job interview at city pharmacy well during our a uh, little ad break. I went and had my interview there and I got the job. Yay. So I'll be working weekends and I'm super happy yeah. to have a job. She's going to do great. I'm so, so proud. I lost my job due to COVID. So mm-hmm. it's nice to, you know, have something again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's a positive note. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, I, I was very happy. Mm-hmm. I got hired on the spot, literally came in, dropped off my resume she did a little interview with me there and then she welcomed me on and i was like you that's you <laughs> a bad bitch <laughs> no really it's because my brother hyped me up because my brother works there <laughs> without him i really would not have gotten the job honestly but you don't know that well you know i do have serving experience but it's just it was so long ago and it really wasn't that much experience so i really feel like if my brother wouldn't have hyped me up Mm -hmm. they would have been like there are way more qualified people for this Mm -hmm. job well you'll do great so i hope my personality makes up for the you're gonna shine i hope so (laughs) uh real quick i would like to add something here okay so i know a lot of you claim to really like our listener juice episodes (laughs) But we still are not getting that many listens on these episodes. Um, You know, we stopped them for a little while because we just weren't picking up many listens. And then when we stopped, everybody was like, oh, my God, where's listener juice? We miss listener juice. And we're like, oh, okay. well, I guess we need to do a new one. It's about time or I think last week would have been time for a listener (laughs) juice episode. But we literally haven't gotten a single story in our email. So I do want to you know say if you have a paranormal a uh, a paranormal story a true crime story a conspiracy theory story any kind of story you want us to read on air please send it to us because i kind of miss listener juice it's fun honestly there was that one girl i think it was a girl this one person who asked if we would if we would take in like like scarier horror stories that uh-huh. people have just written yeah and read them do you want to do that i mean sure send us whatever send us send us yeah send us stuff 
Yeah. And we'll uh, we'll do another listener juice, but we've just got to get more in our inbox. We literally, since our last listener juice episode, have not had a single person message us with a story. So um, we need at least like, what, six stories even to do yeah. a listener juice. Mm-hmm. So if you have something, email us. Don't drink the Jones juice at gmail.com. You can also follow our instagram and tiktok at don't drink the jones juice and our face you can join our private facebook group at for god's sake don't drink the jones juice and then we also have merch which you can buy at storefrontier.com slash don't drink the jones juice tiktok i already said tiktok i said instagram and tiktok jk (laughs) Which we need to up our TikTok game. Like we legit have so many good ideas and we never do them. I know. Like the, our best creation on there is our alien one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to do something. Yeah. Sometimes like we go through phases where it's like, <laughs> and then fa- other phases where we're like, let's do this. Let's create awesome things. And then we get so excited about the podcast, but yeah, then shit happens. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe next time mm-hmm. we can make it. Let's plan on it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's All write right. it down. <laughs> okay. All right. For God's sake. Don't drink the Jones juice. <laughs>